Welcome to Conversations on the Coast, San Francisco's premier author interview program. And today we have a book award winner with us who's already appeared twice on the show. She's brave enough to come back. Her name is Julia Glass. She won a National Book Award for her first novel, Three Junes. And uh, we're going to talk today about her second novel, The Whole World Over, which has just come out in trade paperback, courtesy of Anchor Books. Thank you for stopping by. Well, thank you, Jim. The third time is the charm. I owe. <laughs> One of the things that you have revealed in uh, remarks not made on this program of late, but somewhere else, is that uh, The Whole World Over is the kind of novel that every novelist has to do is a kind uh, they people think of it as the grand novel because it's about the search for true love are you comfortable with that description of the whole world over yes i'm just going to go for the max you know it's my second novel i have nothing to lose um i i do think it's true that those of us who really write from the heart at some point have to attack that big question and I, I, you've you've heard me at recent readings on my tour hold up as the two lodestars for myself anyway. Middlemarch by George Eliot and Anna Karenina. Of wow. course. <laughs> so, you know, when you're shooting that high, you you know you know you're not going to make it, but you you go for it anyway. I've had the great pleasure in preparing for this interview to to kind of read around in the book because I had read it once before, and having done that, I rather agree uh, with that estimation of what's going on, that this is a grand novel. It is a novel about the search for, for, for true love. But I think the, the whole world over is also about other things, and one of them, the limits of love. Yes, it is. Because I think the truth is that the older one gets, and if one is lucky enough to be engaged in, in the grappling everyday pursuit of love with someone that you've been with a long time is that you understand that so-called true love entails a lot of compromise and limitation and the understanding that ultimately we can never be fully joined with another person, that there's a certain separateness that always remains. I think some people feel you can join with God or other spiritual forces, but um, with, with your mate, there's there's always a fine membrane between you. And it's understanding the nature of that membrane um, that is part and parcel of love. And, and, and at some moments in that, in that search, a love has to be broken off. And it's, it's that way you, it it's may. that that you write about so, so beautifully. Uh, I, I don't want to hurt Alan more than I have, uh, Greeny says. It's you I love. Uh, in 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 some form, she said to every time she said that in some form every time she spoke about about her her journey. Yet the farther away she traveled, the more desperate it felt to tell him how much she missed him, as if there were only so much distance their attachment could take, as if there were a literal breaking point to the emotional line connecting them. It was hard to talk about anything other than the drama unfolding in the world at large, events they could do nothing about. Charlie was right. Something like this suspended everything else. Even the two of them were suspended. So that's really looking at it in a realistic way, that events impinge upon 
the creation or the or, or, or the maintenance of the perfect love. Well, yes, and and of course, part of this book grapples with the issues of how no matter how well we plan our lives, things happen from the outside that change our plans, and we make choices that we never intended to make that change our plans as well. One of the other one of the great joys of of this book is the characters. The, it's all about characters. I mean, <laughs> then it's working. This this is infected with with some wonderful characters. One of whom I, I kind of think of as opening the book, the first actor on the stage almost is Walter, who's who's lovable and and funny and 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 frustrating, and ultimately a damn good friend. Yes, and and you know, like character, like many of my characters who were never intended to take up so much room on the stage. Walter was designed as a device to, he, he's the main client of the pastry chef who's the heroine, and yet I fell in love with him, and I had to follow his, uh, his life as well. And he has love troubles all his own. Oh, doesn't he? He, <laughs> he really, really does. But he also has a very fine restaurant, and that's very good for, if we could say, the main character, Greenie. And her business, which is baking? Yes, she makes the desserts for his restaurant, which is very old-fashioned American cuisine. Not oat French or fusion or anything very modern. (laughs) (laughs) Cholesterol heaven. (laughs) Casa Cholesterol, that's the nickname for, for his restaurant. Well, so the whole world over is about the search for true love. But what is it really about? What's the plot? We're going to find out about that when we return. You're listening to Conversations on the Coast with Jim Foster. Follow us on Twitter at Jim Foster COC or send an email to Jim Foster COC at gmail.com. Julia Glass is the guest. Uh, we're talking about her new novel, now in paperback, The Whole World Over, published by Anchor Books. Uh, the Chicago Tribune had some very nice things to say about your book. And they say here, her second novel is even finer than her first. Uh, yeah, okay. All I'll right. take that. You take that? Okay. <laughs> All right. Glass's characters are enticingly complex. Their predicaments are provocative and significant, and their number is numerous. That's the other interesting thing about this book. Her art of her language itself uh, feeds the freshness, sensuousness, and compassion that make this such a nourishing and pleasurable read, tribute. And that is true. If you didn't have uh, the power of diction that you have, this thing would be flat. But mm. you do have it, and uh, it's uh, one of the other reviewers called it a bouillabaisse, as I recall. <laughs> yes, a bouillabaisse, yes. yes. Uh, yes. Uh, just, just full of, uh, and folks, uh, when you look at the, uh, at the jacket for the paperback that I have in my hand, which you can plainly see, it's all about food. It's all kinds of bread. 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 The uh, people that listen to a program like this are somewhat interested in the in the basic plot, but I think the problem with this book it doesn't have a basic plot. It's kind of like the whole world over. It's starting and then it just kind of spreads out like like the ripples if you threw a, a stone into a lake. 
Well, I start every piece of fiction with a character. And you know, the, there's that old adage, character is plot. And another way of saying that is character has consequence. Mm. So that there's a cause and effect in the choices that we make because of who we are. Now, you could say, and it wouldn't be entirely a joke, that this book begins with the the good old plot device, a stranger comes to town. And I like to say, the stranger comes to town and orders dessert. And because- <laughs> A specific kind yes, of dessert. Coconut cake. Um, writing this book has given me the privilege of tasting many kinds of coconut cake because people always feel compelled to present me with a coconut cake because it is a coconut cake that causes all the trouble and all the joy and all the anguish in these characters' lives. So- but seriously, uh, Greeny Duquette is a woman who has everything by some people's standards. She has the career she's always wanted. She's successful at it. She has a husband she loves very much. They've been married for 10 years. She has this wonderful, precocious son. But her husband has fallen into a very withdrawn and depressed state. And the choices that she makes in her efforts to fix this, because she's nothing if not a fix-it kind of person, um, those efforts lead her across the country um, in a move that's a gamble, but that she hopes will shake up her marriage. But that move in turn causes a number of changes in the lives of the characters around her, kind of like those little square numbers puzzles that, you know, we try to move them around so that all the numbers are in numerical order. I mean, and for me, because each character that I create has a, has a character, has an inner integrity and personality and and flaws that lead them to make choices it's the intertwining of those choices that create the plot in my novel the other fantastic thing that you accomplish in my opinion is that when a character does something which superficially or objectively however you want to say this is something you'd rather they didn't do mm. like her moving to new mexico on right. a, you know on a flight of fancy uh, leaving, you know, her husband behind. And you want to say, oh, that's that's horrible. You should never do a thing like that. But by the time she does that, you're so much into understanding her that it's not a question of you forgive her, but you realize that it it's a possible decision. It may not be the right decision, but it's possible. Yes. Well, I'm very interested in the predicament of smart, loving, sensitive people who make crazy decisions, who make decisions that seem to make sense, but maybe they don't, who make yeah, mistakes. Yeah, in one of their long-distance phone calls, she keeps saying to him, we're educated people, we're smart, right. we ought to be able to work this exactly. out. Exactly. I mean, why, if you're incredibly intelligent, if you've organized your life to the best of your abilities, can't you always make it work? And and, and that's part of what's going on. I mean, folly. I, I, I like to write about folly. And I think in the books that I read, the characters I love best are those who you start out disliking or you're very skeptical about them. There's something that rubs you the wrong way. But by the end of the book, not only do you completely empathize with them, but you've fallen in love with them and maybe they've even broken your heart. And that's the most powerful kind of human drama that a novelist can create. The one character in this book where I think you succeeded best with that idea is with the husband. 
mm. Alan. I really do. I, I think and that. And in a funny way, he's the most like me of all the characters, I yeah. have to say. Yeah. Uh, very, he's like very the dark side of me. <laughs> he's my oh. cautionary tale. Okay. The whole world over is an absolute feast. And uh, it, it's a feast by a master chef. When we return, we'll ask the master chef about her methods of trickery and plot. You're listening to Conversations on the Coast with Jim Foster. Follow us on Twitter at JimFosterCoc or send an email to JimFosterCoc at gmail.com. This is Conversations on the Coast. I'm Jim Foster. The book today, The Whole World Over. The author, the wonderful Julia Glass, the publisher, Anchor Books. They've had the good sense to put this in trade paperback. So that one of the things that can happen, and I want to get to it in a minute, is that book clubs or book groups can access it better. But before we talk about that, let's talk about what the New York Times Book Review said about the whole world over. Just when the reader feels sure of an outcome, other forces are set to work, shifting the momentum in unexpected directions. This is particularly admirable because Glass is so unobtrusive a writer, conveying meaning not through insightful asides, so true. No pauses here, just keep going with the plot, just keep telling the story. No, not through insightful asides, philosophical musings, or verbal pyrotechnics, but through storytelling. So and you that's see, the great pleasure. I, I do write plot, Jim. The yeah. New York Times says so. <laughs> but the great pleasure is the storytelling. Yes. It's the biggie. And, and, and that's, what, that's what people love. And some of the people who love storytelling the most these days belong to things called book clubs or book groups. Right. What's that all about? And is it a good thing? Well, first of all, I think it's a great thing. But okay. I have to confess that I've never been in a book group. And I was somewhat astonished to discover, rather later, I think, than my publisher knew, that the reason Three Junes took off when it came into paperback is that book groups really fell in love with the book. Now, why that book? It Not until I started to meet with some book groups, sometimes mm -hmm. through friends, or I did some speakerphone groups, and what I realized is that Three Junes, and this is true of my second novel, contained a lot of different kinds of relationships, realistic relationships, intergenerational. There was kind of something that everybody could relate to, whether you were an older parent with a gay child or whether you were a sibling growing up and your relationship with your siblings are changing because of who they married or because your parents died. All these relationships, you know, be, a relationship is like an animal, you know, it's it's constantly changing yes, and yes. being fed and starved and, and there are different moods in relationships. So after visiting or just communicating with a couple of, of book groups, I had a sort of a revelation. Now, I was a very good English student in high school. Even though I went on to become an art major, inexplicably, I find that when I listen to book groups talking about books, it's not like being in an English class. I think I envisioned it was like these people were nostalgic for being in English class. Not at all. The kind of books that work best in book groups are those that call up for their readers some very profound issue in their lives, whether it's getting over the loss of a spouse or um, falling in love 
or giving birth or losing a child, Mm -hmm. going through a divorce. And I think in book groups, and I'm not saying that people who are in book groups are are anti-intellectuals or don't talk about books in a cerebral way, but they talk about the book as a conduit to talking about their own lives. And people joke that, oh, you know, the only reason you ever join a book group is so you can drink wine away from your kids and your husbands. You can gripe about the guys. No. The, and that's true in some book groups. And I told you a story about a book group I went to where they talked about Three Junes for a little bit. And then it was an hour of people talking about skunks in their garages. But <laughs> that's a whole other thing. The, the that's most a whole other group. I'll I have you. seen both of my books um, elicit debates and very hot debates about what is a good marriage? What does it mean to be a good wife, a good husband, a good mother, or even a good child? Because I write a lot about families, or, and it's or, very fruitful. Or, or just a good lover. Yes. Someone, you know, constant in a, uh, in a relationship. Yes. You know, what does it mean to, uh, uh, to, to treat a somewhat uh, helpless young person? In a loving way, and we have in, in, in this book with, right. uh, with, 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 with and, Saga. You know, I think in, in this book, one of the hot issues is because there's a marriage at the core. There's a marriage in trouble. Should these people stay together or should they not stay together? And readers disagree enormously wow. on the ending that I've chosen. And when I was writing Three Junes and I heard people talk about how they didn't like such and such a character or they didn't like a choice that I'd made for my characters. I felt very insecure and a little affronted, but now I feel very excited because I see that it's brought up something in the lives of the readers that they need to discuss and the book gives them a connection to it and it can also be quite cathartic. So I've now, you know, I've composed a changing list of books that I recommend to book groups, all fiction, because I, I can see where thematically th- they will open up very powerful subjects that people need to talk about and that, that are not easy to talk about. Wow. I mean, fiction puts us in a parallel universe where we can experience a lot of the most powerful emotions in life without just having to examine our own. It's, it's a kind of, it's, it's like a meta therapy in a way. You have a chance to enter the parallel universe of the whole world over. It's a novel by Julia Glass, and it's now in trade paperback. You have no excuse. This has been (laughs) Conversations on the Coast, and I'm Jim Foster. Thank you, Jim. Follow us on Twitter at JimFosterCoc, or send an email to JimFosterCoc at gmail.com.